Hey. Well, we're working with uh, what we call the Beatitudes, the, the first part of the fifth chapter of Matthew for three weeks here. And this is week two. <clears throat> Just want you to know that I have the notes for this available. We're going to talk about praying the Beatitudes this morning and how to uh, do what's called an uh, ascendant reading, reading up through the text as a form of spiritual preparation and being able to discern uh, the voice of God. So if anybody would like a copy of that, I can get it to them or you can refer to the website and uh, listen again. But I want to make this very practical today. And so start with, why don't you read me the text for today, okay? Matthew 5, 1 through 9, and we're going to pick up with, let's, let's go, Jesus saw the crowds and then he begins the Sermon on the Mount and he said, slide, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. All right. I've seen very many inspiring uh, takeoffs on this, uh, it, but I still remember one bumper sticker I saw in the early 70s. It was probably the best thing on the Beatitudes ever. I just said, the meek don't want it. Okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of a good bumper sticker, okay? So anyway, we got, we got this text. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are peacemakers. Um, I owe a lot to my friends, Jamie and Donna Winship, who uh, have been teaching this lesson, and I've been working with our group in Centered, and I've been anxious to share it with uh, my own church here, uh, my family, and then, and then other church families. Um, tell me how this would sound as a goal for life. Um, if you had a spiritual means of equipping yourself so you had an unconflicted life or a less conflicted life, if you felt sort of above persecution, that you could pretty much manage any curveball that could get thrown at you, um, if you are free from outside worries of this world and moving beyond the fear of people, now, the fear of people can take a lot of forms, right? One way of fearing people is just always worried people will be mad at you or disappointed. For me, I tend to want to be a placator, a pleaser, you know, so I tend to fear people in the sense of, oh, I, the worst thing in the world is if I let you down or disappoint you, right? So there's different ways we get into that. And then here's how the process flows. If you were to think of these Beatitudes as a, as a process, and we'll, we'll go through it this morning, the, the invitation here is to get empty, of stuff we don't want in us in order to be filled, to surrender our ambitions, to voice our hunger, to receive God's mercy, to be purified and have our motives simplified and to become a peacemaker. And we'll talk about this next week that the peacemaker is the highest level of, of spiritual uh, development you can have. It's, it's pure love and action, a peacemaker. A peacemaker puts themselves in harm's way to see love in action happen. There's no, there's no greater goal in life than to be a peacemaker. So I want to begin with this. The, the text that starts out with get empty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the kingdom of God is theirs. 
we're modern people. We've got everything. Technology is our God in a lot of ways. Uh, we, our money, uh, th- these things, right? And so all of us tend to be full of stuff that represents our own attempt to control our environment and be God. Okay? And so the beginning of spiritual development is actually coming saying, I'm full of doing it my way. I'm full of my perspective. I'm full of you know what. And I need to get empty. And so we begin. The truth is, when we get empty of the junk that clutters our life and is in conflict, we start to fill up. I don't know about you, but when I go into times of solitude, I find my inner life is this buzzing intersection of thoughts and ideas. And if you wrote down what was going through my head in in any given hour, it would be, well, Randy wants to live in the woods. Randy Randy wants to live in Manhattan. You know, uh, Randy Randy would like to live on a boat, but he'd he'd really like a a, a really nice place overlooking the ocean in Cornwall in England where my my family had a place. You know, these, these kinds of things, right? And so I'm... I'm cluttered and conflicted in my head. And the very first place to begin in terms of praying the Beatitudes and getting with God, because I think what Jesus says here just lifts us and inspires us all the way, is to empty ourselves. To picture ourselves in a crowded room and then suddenly, quietly and respectfully, just asking everything individually to leave and leave you alone so that you're empty. And I don't know about you, but that's one of the hardest things to do in the world, to let go of my control and to get empty, to get past the fear of being my, myself and what goes in my head and what I have to surrender to God. So we picture ourselves in this crowded room and we dismiss all of our company so that it's just us and God. There's, there's some prayers in here that I'm going to offer that I've, that I've written. They're just short sentence prayers. And I'm so I'm not going to ask us to pray together, but I'll give you an example of how I'd pray around this that you might adapt for yourself. And that would be, Lord Jesus, please show me the distractions, the worries and anxieties that live in my spirit in the deepest part of my life. Empty me of anything that's preventing me from hearing and receiving you. In my case, it's not pre- uh, get rid of anything. It's get rid of everything that prevents me and blocks me from hearing God. Okay? And... So when we get empty to this place, there's a certain desolation we feel in that, a certain loss, an emptiness. Where am I? What am I about? Who am I then? And that puts us in a state of kind of mourning. We feel a sadness about our inadequacies and what we can't do. We feel a little bit lonely sometimes in a time of solitude. Nancy and my, my son's off busy working. Nancy and Rachel are in Ireland. And Nancy and I have been remodeling our cabin. We've been together all the time. She quit, she quit her job and I'm semi-retired. Boy, you guys, get ready for that one. That's an adjustment. Um, anyway, you know, we spent a lot of time around each other. And I must really love it because normally Nancy and I can be apart. She's been gone for a week now. And I, I'm lonesome. I, I'm mourning that my, my buddy, my best friend is not here. So when you empty yourself of all the junk, you, you come into this place of sadness as you, as you cope with that. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. You know why? When we mourn that we feel empty, we've created the perfect stage for God to fill us. All the things we thought we needed that don't help us go away, and the only thing we really need, a direct relationship with the Lord, becomes preeminent. And so the next step in here is to be filled with the comfort 
that comes from the Lord and to surrender to that. Lord, you alone can satisfy my hunger and my thirst. Come. And then the third thing in this process is to surrender our ambitions. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. I tried to study this word meek a little bit, but so you, you get empty in order to be filled with God, and then the meek have surrendered kind of their, their need to be seen, their need to be important, their need to be big, their need to take up too much space. A, a meek person actually sort of intentionally makes themselves a little smaller so that other people can be bigger. And these are the people that are blessed in life. I, I know meek people, and they are, they are people that don't have any ambition other than to, to serve. So we surrender our ambitions. And the truth is that when I surrender my ambitions, I can then begin to hear those redirected by God. And, and a picture that I have for that, a mental picture would be, let's say I go into a room and I'm with the Lord and we're, we're sitting there and there's a, l- a little fire in the room. How many of you have read the book, The Shack? Most people have read The Shack. Okay, you're in The Shack. The fire's burning. You're there with God, you know. And you're, you're in this place of surrendering your ambitions. And you're chatting with God and he goes, you've got so much you want to do, so much you want. You know you can't do it all. How do you do that? And so you, you hand off this big stack of ambitions to the Lord and he takes it and drops it in the fireplace. And of course, that's everybody's fear. If I give my life over to God, I lose everything, right? Remember that when, like when I was a teenage kid, I was like, well, do I have to give up cigarettes, drugs, alcohol? I mean, I had a list of stuff that probably would have killed me by the time I was 30, but I was sure that I needed those things as much as I needed Jesus, right? And so um, in this, or I want to be this radio star, or I want to be an actor, these kinds of things. So our ambitions can get in the way. And the interesting thing is that when the Lord takes those and puts them in the fire, like the burning bush that you saw with Moses, my ambitions don't burn up. They just get refined. They get clarified. They get simplified. They get ordered. And all of a sudden, things fall into place. And rather than having to project myself, which unmeet people do, they feel useless, so they try to be bigger I can just be right-sized in the spirit and be just the size I need to be that God committed me. And when I'm thinking size here, I mean ego and stuff, although the gastric bypass surgery did take off a couple hundred pounds. Um, but that, that wasn't a spiritual exercise as much as it was a survival exercise. But this, here's a prayer that you can pray in this thing of emptying ambition. Lord, show me my worldly ambitions that are not surrendered to you. Lord, how do you want to replace, refine, or reorder my ambitions? You know, I talked about at the beginning, we need to get empty because all this stuff's flying around in every direction, like the inside of, a, of an atom, this flying around craziness. And we get a chance to just relax, surrender our ambitions. And then the God begins to refine them and hand them back and says, there's the ones that I want you to work right now. And you know, when you find yourself in that place, the next thing that comes up is hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. And at this point, as we're praying this, God begins to take our ambitions, our gifts, and show us how he's made us so that we 
honor him in our relationship with him and serve our fellow man with the with the very action and love the love and action of our lives right and so what i what i really love is when we become hungry for things the way that god wants them and the way that god wants to direct us there's a richness to that there's a there's a thickness to it a substance to it that's that's really really beautiful lord is there any part of my of my life that's not longing to be alive in you and you know you guys that's that's an in and out thing i find sometimes my attitudes and ambitions are pretty surrendered and i'm thinking well randy great spiritual love and, uh, you know evolution here in 45 46 years of walking with the lord and then all of a sudden i realize hmm I can in about 15 minutes turn that off and be pursuing my own agenda. So one of the things I find about this, this isn't a one-time step through, got it now kind of a thing, but this is a prayer we could pray daily to be in line with Jesus, to get empty, to be filled with the Spirit, to surrender our ambitions, to receive mercy, and, and to be filled. Now, the next one is to receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, they receive mercy. And the truth is that when we show mercy, we experience the mercy of God. Okay? And when we experience the mercy of God, we show mercy. Merciful people are blessed because they understand the heart of God. If you look at the state of humanity, the sin we're in, God should really just blot out the world close the game board and do something else for a living. But instead, in his, in his great mercy and love, God makes a way for us to be in relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that our existence is rooted in mercy. I love the O Mercy song, by the way. That's really pretty. And, and, and mercy is a shocking, wonderful thing that God offers us, and he wants us to shock the world with our sense of mercy toward the world around us. And then, of course, the next thing is the opportunity to purify our motives and intentions. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. The truth is that when my heart is purer or purer, I will less things. How many have ever heard of Soren Kierkegaard? He's a great philosopher, a Dane, and he wrote um, a book called Purity of Heart. And if you read Purity of Heart, Kierkegaard says, purity of heart is to will one thing, an unconflicted heart in life. How many of you have, I, I can't do this because I can't even remember, I don't think I've ever had an unmixed motive. Have you? My, my intentions are always mixed up in other attitudes and beliefs. I've always got several reasons for why I can rationalize what I do or why I did what I do or when I did what I do. And all of that going on. Purity of heart is just, just to will as few things as possible, ultimately to will one thing. Somebody once said, uh, a campus pastor of mine in college said, you want to know what God's will for your life is? God's will for your life is Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? God wills for you Jesus, to know him, to walk with him, to live in him, through him, alongside him, to do what he does in the world along with him. And so that would be the perfect purity of heart. None of us attain that very easily. But... We get drawn closer to that. And the more we find our motives simplifying and narrowing and we find focus in our lives, the more we find the peace and mercy that we want to live in. And then we become, literally, 
peacemakers, and that's that's the last uh, beatitude that's included in this list for prayer, and that's blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. Nothing reflects our birthright as children of God better than when we're playing the role of peacemaker in the world. And as you know, the word peace, uh, drawn from the Hebrew word shalom, and then irene in Greek, but, but the word peace in the Old Testament that we, that we think of when we say peace is shalom. Shalom means whole. It means flourishing. It means vibrant. It means alive. So peace is more than just reducing conflict. It's making things whole. It's maximizing our friendships. It's finding places that are troubled and stepping into the place where flourishing happens instead of conflict and competition between people. Okay, so I really, I really love praying through the Beatitudes. And once again, just this idea of having a less cluttered life as we get empty, then we be filled with God, we surrender our ambitions, voice our hunger, receive God's mercy, purify our motives along the way better and better all the time, and become peacemakers. And again, peacemaker is the, I don't know if I want to use the word evolution or not, but it's the highest evolution of spiritual development. There is nothing greater than being a peacemaker. And I think this is a place where we can pray, Lord Jesus, show me the places in my life where I'm not at peace. Is there a place in my life where I'm not longing for your peace? And I catch myself on this. You're at odds with somebody and you're so sure you're right that you're not at peace because you're so busy trying to be right about your side of an issue or something like this. So this blessedness of a peacemaker is a big deal. The bottom line here is that praying and living the Beatitudes is a really cool spiritual progression that we can use to attune ourselves to God. And I don't know if you see this, but this whole procedure, or we call it an ascendant reading of the Beatitudes, is a moving from a self-directed and self-willed life to a God-willed life from a competitive, cluttered, me-first life to a life in community and mutual life with others, sort of a life that makes a big difference in the world. And praying through these Beatitudes and reading them is something that literally transforms your life and attitude, especially if you take the time to pray them and don't gloss over it. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, think about how you might empty yourself And then be filled with the comfort of God as you receive the elements of bread and wine. That will be a good way to kind of go back through these Beatitudes today and pray them to ourselves. And I hope hope you give this a try. And once again, if you want some notes on this, I'm happy to pass them along to you. So let's come to the Lord's table this morning. And as we do, uh, we'll pray. So join me in prayer. Lord, you created this whole thing. And it's good. Lord, you create a perfect thing, and we broke it, and that's bad. Lord, forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us our brokenness. Show us our poverty of spirit. Even allow us to mourn for how empty we are when we neglect you. And then, God, in your great mercy, fill us with nothing less than yourself and your will and your way. 
We thank you, God, that you've come to us in Jesus to make all things new. To cleanse, direct us, to take conflicted, angry, broken people and transform them into peacemakers. We pray that you'd bless us with all the blessedness of the Beatitudes today, Lord, as we come to your table. 